Hey, this is Tyler, one of the hosts of RangerCast. On our show, we talk about Power Rangers and other multi-hued spandex heroes. We've got news, reviews, interviews. We talk about the comics, the games, the toys, and all things more phenomenal. Find us at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or check us out at rangercast.net. May the power protect you. I want to give a special thanks to our guests, William Ofebu and Brad Gareth, who are the voice actors for Twisted Kayun and Asamon Kishon Yamada. You, you, you can get them on that one, Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> uh, that oh, one would have been like, cut. Let's, <laughs> let's look at the notes. <laughs> No, but thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm William Ofebu. Uh, sometimes I look at my microphone when I'm talking, um, and I voice Twisted Kayun uh, in Hell's Paradise. Uh, he's known as, at least in the English version, Warped Kayun in the Hell's Paradise, or yeah, Hell's Paradise English manga. Yep, I'm Bradley Gareth. I play Kisho Yamada Asaimon in, in, in the uh, dub of hell's paradise I, I i think there's probably a number of ways to uh, write out that name with the uh, <laughs> japanese way of saying it uh but it's fine asaimon 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 i play kicho yamada asaimon yeah it's all good that was an awesome thing uh, oh man you know what i should have brought the um the print I should have brought. Uh, <laughs> start advertising the prints on, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and here we have these fabulous products that you can buy. <laughs> all this number here. This is Twisted oh. Kayun, and this is Ass Man. Ass Man. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Ass Man here. <laughs> I will say, if I, hadn't, I, if I hadn't heard it before, I probably would have been like, uh, that's, uh, I would have not been able to say it. So. <laughs> Uh, and then what's up everybody i'm bryce from the anime show where you can find all your anime news and memes and this is going to be this week's episode consisting of the two brilliant voice actors from hell's paradise and let's get into it uh where do you want to start matt so i really want to know did you guys know about hell's paradise prior to getting your roles yes hell yeah (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Um, I'm just going to take the credit, Bradley. I got Bradley into the manga. I was like, hook. I think I even brought it up the last time we spoke, actually. Um, That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. I I love, I love Hell's Paradise. It's my top favorite manga series. I was reading it like the first volume, got hooked. And from then on, it was just like I bought as much as I could. And then like every couple months or every three months, whatever it was, when the new one will come out, I'd get it immediately. And it just the the art, the pacing, the uh, the way it had me on the edge of my seat all the time was just dope. And I think it did the same for everyone that I introduced it to as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, whenever, whenever William lent it to me, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pick it up. I'll check it out. Uh, and then I read it and then my fiance read it. And then like we would like I, I would read it in like a day or two and then Jess would read it in like a couple hours. And she'd be like, you got to get more of that manga. From <laughs> she, she, has, she just bought a uh, Saga figure and a uh, print from Marissa Duran, the actor for uh, Saga from uh, at Anime Frontier. So that's awesome. <laughs> I, I liked it. 
Well, knowing that, William, you got Bradley into it, did you guys get each other into voicing in the anime? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you go first, Bradley. <laughs> um, no, uh, so, so the thing is, Will, William and I uh, started hanging out about a year or so ago. I've wanted to do voice in anime since about 2011. Uh, I figured out what voicing anything was, like, because I didn't really know. I didn't really think about it. You know, you're a kid, you watch cartoons, you don't really think about, like, people being behind the um, characters. And um, I saw, you know, because uh, I had the Dragon Ball Z VHS tapes, I'd see, like, you know, Sean Schemmel and Chris Sabat just sort of, like, sprinkled in there being like, oh, you know, the show's so cool. And I just assumed they were celebrities, right? Like, they were the same as, like, Tom Cruise or whatever to me. So I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, so I, I guess I guess that's true. Uh, and then, like, I only found out whenever I was, like, 16 or so by, like, watching, I think it was, like, Shin Chan. Uh, commentaries on the on the Shinchan DVDs for the English dub that Funimation did. Like, oh, these are just like people that just showed up. Uh, and then I started watching like um, you know, all, all these um uh, videos online of like voice actor like interviews, and I was like, huh, what if I uh built my whole life around this? So I, I decided at age sixteen, I'm gonna do this thing uh for the rest of my life. Let's see how that goes. Uh, so I I knew I had to move down to Dallas. Uh, worked to uh, go to college, save money, uh, moved down here eventually after a bunch of time doing that and uh, paying down debt. Um, and then uh, from there, like, I had done a ton of indie work uh, up to that point as well. Uh, in like indie games, indie animations, uh, whatever I could get my hands on. And um, then uh, through a series of connections and like chance uh, auditions and things like that, I got into anime. And That's the rest awesome. is history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last two years is history. <laughs> um, nice, man. I, I'm I'm very grateful for all my friends who are making it up here, and um, I'm just I'm really looking forward to the future for us as well. Um, let's see. So for me, back back when I was a weed boy, um, I was <laughs> running home to catch Dragon Ball Z and fell in love with it, and those shows were what got me interested in acting uh much like he just said like i wasn't necessarily thinking that there was some person nearby that was creating this stuff i thought it was in this faraway land called hollywood that i would never reach but i was like you know i can i can act so i'm just gonna do it and there i went uh fast forward to when i was like 20 something Yes, I'm not 20-something now. I'm a little bit older than that. Um, fast forward to when I was 20-something, I was collecting Dragon Ball Z DVDs, and I just randomly decided to watch the credits again. And I realized, oh, Funimation is in, like, Dallas, Texas. They made Dragon Ball Z in Dallas. Oh, my God, that's nearby. <laughs> and um, it just it, it rekindled my interest in voice acting. Um, took classes, eventually ended up moving here to Dallas, Texas. And um, thanks to... I guess my experience in networking, friends, et cetera, et cetera, managed to get my foot through the door and stay inside. I'm very <laughs> perplexed and humbled. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to stay inside the industry once you get. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Let's For see. Sure. That that's kind of awesome that it's just kind of chance that you guys ended up where you're at because that just kind of means everybody can. There's no limits to anybody. So that's really awesome to hear. Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think, you know, there are people if you go about this job in a smart way and you are decent with uh, finance, which which also helps uh, <laughs> you, you don't. I, I, I remember when I was 16, like whenever I looked this up, I'd hear stories of people that would move to Dallas, like in their car, no job, no money, and just be like, I'm just going to voice an anime. It'll be fine. I'll live in my car until I become like a superstar. 
Uh, as long as you don't do that, if you approach this with a little bit more uh, tact, I think anybody could, uh, with enough time and diligence, make this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the same goes for any kind of, or almost any kind of entertainment uh, profession. Yeah, Be, exactly. Uh, yeah. Very diligent. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. We totally get that from our, our side of everything. Um, I guess kind of jumping into it, uh, what was everybody's favorite part about the first episode? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Specifically. I mean, me personally, I kind of, I don't know, it might be a little twisted, but I like the torture they did to him at first trying to kill him. Yeah, so the torture that they did, like, it was interesting how tactful they were about the the gruesome the, the gruesome crap they were putting people through including Gabi Maru mm -hmm. the hollow um yep. so in the manga like it it doesn't hold back any punches it's like yeah here are the guts this is the colon this is the blood and in the anime it's like you know it's happening and it gives you that like split second of like relief where it will give you like a like a red and black mm -hmm. frame um but you still know what's going on it's not like it's pulling away from it so I, I thought that they did that very, very well, rather than trying to restructure what had happened in the story or something. Um, there, I, I can't remember if it was the first or second episode, but I thought it was interesting that they kind of established Sagiri's um, doubt really early. Sagiri? Yeah, Sagiri. Anyway, um, okay. with a filler. There's like a filler scene where there's like some random man just like trying to uh impart a little bit of wisdom to her or like give her some advice or something and she you know has like quick interaction and that's it i remember when i saw that i was like oh that that's not actually in the in the source material that's interesting how they how they did that to help push that character forward without using uh too much time mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. before i like start just going on and on i will give someone else a chance to talk as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i i think uh uh, Sagiri is is a character that you. I mean, whereas Gabi Manu is kind of the main character, Sagiri is by and large like the perspective character of of Hell's Paradise, where like a lot of the explanations of the world are given to her because it's it's a different world that she's like getting used to. Even stuff about the Amada Asaimon, she gets like like my character gives her like a whole lecture on like what how they how they really interact. And uh, I think that uh, establishing that early on and establishing that relationship with Gabi Maru is I think really interesting in the first episode. I really quite like that um, that aspect of it. I think I think that's really good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love the perspective that you guys have because for me, like what really drew me in because I I watched the anime first was Gabi Maru's abilities in the first episode. I was like, okay, yep, got to keep watching this. This is <laughs> unique and it is amazing. So it, yeah. it's kind of crazy how, how because you guys live this world that it's like, well, I love the intricacies of all the characters and I'm just like visual things. <laughs> that's fair. I, yeah. I'm very anime poisoned. So like, like, <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the thing here? Yeah. And I mean... God, I feel like when we first discussed covering it, when we did our short flights over it, it was like, Matt was like, you guys got to watch this video. Like the trailer for this looks great. And honestly, the trailer is what drug me into watching it. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, post the first season. As soon as you get to see that, like, Mappa is behind it, 
you know it's going to be a banger. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to have yeah. some great visuals. <laughs> I, I, I like that the island, uh, I guess, to, to jump ahead a little bit whenever they actually get to the island, I, I, I do appreciate the sort of, because uh, the manga also goes into it a little bit, but I do think it probably works even more effectively in color. The the sort of technicolor, like, surrealness of, of the island, I, I, I think is really, really good. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Paprika, uh, the Satoshi Kon film, it, it, it gives it that dreamlike quality that that film has that it, like it's sat all the colors are really saturated and mm-hmm. like there's there's you know it, it's in the trailer too like where Saki's like what is this place like it's it's the the mystery of the, of the island and how it's so foreign and alien and it's it's almost like a different planet I I love that it's really um I, I think mm-hmm. it does really good with that dude like when you first see it whether it's like manga or anime you get this like it's like an explosion you're just like oh my god like this does look heavenly this looks like a paradise and then so it's like all these little things happen i i love how gabi maru got that moment where he was like no this is this is freaking creepy man because that doesn't belong here that i don't even know what that is yeah and, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just like like you said it's very alien like he's he sees something and goes like the details of this say trouble whereas the well all the other folks who just went in with you know their naked eyes and they were like oh man, this this is pretty this is pretty i like this i like this <laughs> they had no idea um i i i thought it was very wild to go from seeing it in black and white and seeing all the detail that the creator put into it to having this mappa explosion in front of us of vivid colors and stuff for sure uh <laughs> it, it, it was a very well animated anime for sure and god like i, I don't know i'm sorry it's just it's one of those things where, like, it, it, me, you're fine it's one of those things that really just kind of blew blew my mind when i first saw it and unfortunately i haven't had the perspective of seeing it like you guys seen the manga and then seeing it in the anime as well so for me the perspective is like wow this is just everything is so nicely done compared to you know some of the things that we have seen lately mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's a dedication to style that i think is there a, a yes. lot of things will will not like dedicate themselves really to style and i mean uh, i've seen anime that are <laughs> I've I've seen anime that are not very good uh, that do manage to subsist almost entirely on style, and I do I do like that Hell's Paradise get, manages to have some of both. It has it has a decent amount of substance, and it's also very stylistic. So I really I really appreciate that about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that intro to it was like, ugh, it, it 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 held back nothing. It was just so awesome. That was one of those intros where I was like, am I ever gonna really skip this one? I'm going to watch it every time, aren't I? <laughs> it's an interesting choice. I really would have thought reading the manga, they would have gone with a more traditional Japanese song, but uh-huh. um, it works. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think it works. Uh, it, it lends itself, I think, as well to that action movie uh, air that I was I was telling you guys about before we started recording. I, I do think Hell's Paradise feels a lot like, you know, it's sort, it's sort of, um, uh, what, what's the name of that movie? The, the, it's the Japanese one. It's, it's the thing that like uh, the Hunger Games are based off of. I'm trying to it's the famous death game one it's like battle oh, royale or battle something. royale that's it yeah. battle royale that's okay. the name of it yeah it's it's very yeah. battle royale it feels you know just sort of switch back <laughs> in in time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So which like, makes complete sense yeah and then behind the story like what do you guys think of the reasoning that they're going to uh that island to get the elixir like the whole like thought process behind oh let's take all the criminals i mean it it seems like 
a couple other stories. What was that one movie that came out with uh, where they took all these people out of prison? It was like, you got to survive this game. Like to me, that's that aesthetic. And I really like that. And it made it really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget the exact movie where they where they take the prisoners out for that, but I, I know what you're talking about. Um, There's definitely more than one. Um, There's like, definitely more than one. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. My early 2000s brain remembered the Stone Cold movie Condemned. But yes, another that, one. Out. It was it that I'm, one? Yeah, I'm thinking of that one. Ah, nice. Yeah, that was that, <laughs> that was a product of its time. Sorry <laughs> yeah, about it. Story about the guy or about the emperor, the, the governing body, uh, in this case, the shogun trying to get like the elixir of eternal life. I mean, that's that's in, even in like a uh, uh, Princess Mononoke, that's like the primary thing that like yep. it's happening in the background of that. So yeah, it's combining a lot of these things, which, which I mean, uh, the it's interesting, um, the way that Hell's Paradise plays with like its environments too, because uh, if, if we're using that as a point of comparison, there's a lot of the like natural beauty of the island but also knowing that it's fabricated with like what you get on like the tenzin and what they what they uh reveal mm-hmm. about it um it's it's really fascinating it says it says a lot of really fascinating things it's sort of a um uh you know the isle of dr moreau the the story of like the doctor that's like fusing all the animals and people together and that sort of thing it's a little bit of that mm-hmm. as well i think mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. it just seems like there's a lot of a lot of different things that came together to make this masterpiece. I mean, yes, I feel like we could go on and on about it. And I particularly like further on when they start actually getting into it and past like the, the first like little butterfly insects that would bite them and turn them a little bit into flowers. Yeah. 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 Uh, But like past that, like where they start bringing up like the religious stuff, they get like the Buddhists and the, all the different other kinds of monuments in there. Like that was, that made it interesting too. Like mm-hmm. my first perspective was, is, are we talking like this is a bunch of like failed religions that are leading to this or what's, what's this about? Yeah. It's, there's some really interesting things about, I feel like we can only speculate on um, what, what they may have meant with a lot of that. But uh, yeah, it's a, re- it's a really interesting aesthetic choice, especially. Mm-hmm. I, I like how they bring stuff like that in, like the, like a real culture, a real belief. I believe I, I'm pretty sure they already covered this, but because um, what's his name, Senta, like was pointing out all these different things. Um, yes. So Taoism, Buddhism, I think there's something else, um, and they also uh, incorporate the different countries, so China and uh, Japan. And I think they refer to China as a different term that's escaping me right now. But yeah, they use an older term for it. Um, Yeah. I always enjoy stuff like that. Just, I'm going to tangent for a second and then come right back here. I was telling someone recently that, well, I asked someone, hey, have you seen that movie that's on your shirt? And because it was an exorcist shirt, like the first movie. And they're like, no. I was like, oh man, I really love that. You should check it out. I always thought those movies were like the scariest because they have a sense of they have a, a further sense of realism to them like if you believe in christianity then you believe in god and then you probably believe in in hell and heaven and all this stuff and yeah. then you probably also believe that angels and demons exist and if that is the case then an exorcism is something that could happen and probably seemingly historically has uh because of some sort of infiltration infestation and possession so when hell's paradise was incorporating things like that into the story i just thought okay like somewhere there's probably someone who believes in like buddhism or whatever and um that kind of spirituality makes the story hit that much closer to home i i I really enjoyed that aspect of it 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, like, in, in Japan, a lot of their media, if it does focus on, like, religions, primarily you get uh, Shintoism, where, like, you know, you'll see, mm. like, Amaterasu or Suzanovo or Tsukiyomi or, mm. or uh, Bishamonten and the other Seven Lucky Gods, like, in Origami or something like that. Primarily, that's what you get. Or they'll just, like, focus on, like, you know, Greek, you know, the, the other big ones in the world, like Greek uh, gods, Egyptian gods, Norse gods. Norse gods yeah, especially yeah. are really, really popular in anime. Uh, it's really neat because you don't see a lot of Chinese mythology which is like the ba the big basis for uh hell's paradise and um you know they get into more why later in the manga why it's chinese specifically but it's an interesting sort of uh exploration of it you don't often see i think i think the only other big anime uh, and it has a very questionable interpretation of it uh given the time period it's from that really goes into anything resembling chinese mythology is really like ron the one half oh. <laughs> that's like for a movie <laughs> and it's primarily as jokes so it's uh it's really neat it's really neat getting to see um that i feel like that also adds like it's it's a whole different flavor of of uh something it feels very different from the other stuff that really has it uh, mm -hmm. right now in anime absolutely yeah very nice point i i wanted to get this out there too um the the leader the shogun is it the shogun who's yeah, the, the shogun. monarch yeah yes i i always love how the shogun in one piece of media or another is either like this very holier than thou wise person or framed in a different light like maybe there's some ignorance involved there or he's more um contempt or greedy etc and in this case the shogun seems like very disconnected he's just kind of like oh, i don't i don't really care like you guys are gonna go do this I'll be invincible. I'll be, yeah, I'll be chilling forever. And if you don't, if I'm not happy, you not happy. In fact, you are not anything anymore. Yeah, this is this is a side assignment for the Shogun. This is, this is like, a, yeah, I mean, yeah, send some guys to go see if they can make me immortal. Sure. He's like, I deserve the universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, and that, that's, a, that's a really neat aspect of it, too. And I mean, like, you look, Japan has a really interesting relationship with the Shogun in the whole, like, period. I mean, Japan is an interesting relationship with everything pre-World War II. That's, that's the easiest way to put it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the depiction of it is always extremely interesting. I mean, like, you, it's interesting seeing that, like, you know, by and large, that the shoguns, I mean, the shoguns represent, you know, any kind of aristocracy, any kind of, like, leadership right now. It, it's just some rich jerk that owns everything and, and gets to tell you what to do. But why, why not portray that as a jerk? And I mean, um, uh, if you haven't read... Um, uh, it, it's a really interesting book. I, I think it, uh, it, it, I come at it with a very odd angle. If you've ever read um, Shusaki Endo's book, Silence, there's also a, um, mm. a uh, book by, a, not a book, a movie. I, I think there's a movie adaptation by Martin Scorsese that you can also watch. Oh. But, um, uh, it, it's about um, the shogunate. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with the, um, you, I hope you guys don't mind me going on a tangent on history. No, you're fine. And if you, when you look at uh, approximately how the shogunate was formed in the, in the early like 1600s, because before that it was the Warring States period when like Oda Nobunaga was like conquering everything, and then it got passed on to Hideyoshi, who sort of finished stuff after Nobunaga died, and then Hideyoshi died, and uh, stuff was supposed to pass on to his son, and the first uh, to Tokugawa, uh, um, yeah, the Tokugawa shogunate. Whenever it started, uh, one of the things it did was, and and this is uh, for a lot of reasons. One of them was like Nobunaga, whenever he was conquering the uh warring like the the multiple states that had been broken up by uh, uh japan for a, a long time um he allied with uh foreigners and specifically he like got guns a lot from like europe and like bombs from europe so they were like well we can't have all these christians and europeans coming into the country and that's why it's closed for like 200 
uh, something odd years until like, you know, the Americans and the British show up trying to open it in the 1860s. Consequently, uh, the, the book Silence is all about a, like a Christian priest, like a Catholic priest specifically going and trying to do like a mission to Japan. Well, ba basically, uh, the book is an exploration of like uh, whether whether or not it's possible to be a good person or a good Christian in an unjust system. Because the book also goes into like him getting like tortured and like him trying to help the local people but getting betrayed and like it's it's a lot of this exploration of what that means to exist under the shogunate and I think that uh, a lot of what a shogunate represents is sort of peace at the like peace from war at the sake at the sake of like um like you're sacrificing a lot of like fairness and autonomy and the and the sense of like being able to do and live basically as you want because you you now live under this big broad system and i mean like mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the character arcs in hell's paradise do also explore that idea where like um people just sort of have these lives that are largely tragic and like when you look at the yamada asaimons if they have problems like senta is is a great example of a character that's like mm -hmm. i live by these rules and they suck and i hate them i never wanted to be an executioner i just want to draw mm -hmm. um you get uh, a lot of the killers are also like that. Gabi Maru, you know, wants to just live with his wife, but you know, the ninja villages operate as like assassins for the shogunate. Uh, it's it's an interesting thematic angle to come at this from to talk about how these systems are like really oppressive and ruining uh, the lives of the people in the show. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, other pe other people feel much more bothered by. It. I mean, like. <laughs> There, there's a, um, a, just to go into what my character actually says, Keisha's like, you know, uh, you know, the shogunate wants the elixir. That's what's important. Everything else comes second. Uh, and then, you know, he says rules are illusions. If, if people don't believe them, then they don't mean anything. Laws only exist if you choose to follow them and if everyone around you chooses to follow them. Uh, otherwise, they don't matter at all. And I think that that's, that's all really interesting explorations that the manga does for what that means and how it is to exist under that. So that, that, mm -hmm. that I think, is a big appeal to me of Hell's Paradise. Mm -hmm. I think I talked for, like, five minutes straight. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're no. fine. <laughs> like, you brought up some, like, really interesting points and facts that are part of the show and is interesting to learn a little bit more. Hell of course. Yeah. How does it feel saying all those lines while holding the character that William uh, is portraying in your hand, holding his head in your hand? It's very, very funny. <laughs> it, again, Keisha, Keisha. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you a little bit about about the the process of going in. Uh, what what anime dubbing is like now? Because what, the thing is that um, for certain shows, for certain shows get auditions, right? Like if you're familiar with an audition process, where you, like you know you read for the character, the director chooses out, like ah uh, yeah, let's bring in this guy for this guy, let's bring in this guy for this guy. Hell's Paradise was not one of those shows because uh, of the simul dubbing process. You don't have time to audition everyone. So what that means is that. <laughs> Mike just, uh, Mike McFarland, who's the director of the show, just sort of called us both in, uh, and was just like, Hey, you're gonna play this guy. Like, I didn't audition for it, I didn't read for it, I didn't do anything. It was just like, You're, you're this guy now, and it's like, oh, Okay, okay, all right. And then you, you go in, um, uh, and the expectation, you know, is to sort of dive into these shoes immediately. And for Keisho, Keisho, Keisho is very fun. William could speak to the experience of playing Twisted Chaos after this, but for Keisho, he just he wants to get in and leave. He, he <laughs> the character is all about just I am here to do this job that I absolutely am being forced to do, and then I am going to exit the story. So it's just it's very interesting being this guy. It's like, all right, you know, I'm here to just do this job and then bail. By the way, while I'm here, let me tell you about how absolutely messed up all of this is gonna be. Anyway, bye. <laughs> 
So and he nearly got away with it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get, I, I get to be very, very bitchy. I get to be very, very sly, very, very snide, very tired of everyone. The, the guy, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the guy at the office that just wants to go home and drink a glass of wine while sitting with his cat. Uh, and I, I think that that's that's beautiful. But it did it did create an atmosphere where I'm like, his attitude towards killing Kaon is like. I mean, I don't like doing it, but it's my job. He's clocking in, right? Like, this is like, ah, I guess I got to kill this guy. All right. I guess I get to go home now. I always, like, whenever I watched the scene, I was like, uh, this guy's so hoity-toity. Like, he thinks he's so (laughs) much better than everyone around him. And he's not even, he's not even, like, above putting other people down. I'm just like, who? Who are you and yeah. why he are does, you like, doing all this? Gossip, like he's like talking about all the other Yamada Asai moments. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're all looking to go up the ladder. I'm not. I don't care. I just want to go. He's literally like one of the mean girls. He's just yeah, like... he is. He is the mean girl of, 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 of the of the executioners. I love that for him. It's a shame he dies so horribly. <laughs> well, he had a smile on. He was yeah, that's true. You, you, you get you get high as balls whenever you die in this show. Which is, you know, they make up for it at least. Yeah, you know it works. It's 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 nice. You know, it's a morphine as you as you're going down. Yeah. It's so, like it's, it's a blissful thing. I I know Senta knows about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um. So of course when I when i got the notification about that i was very oh giddy i was so happy um (laughs) (laughs) and discovering later on that you know one of one of my closest friends here like gets to be right in the same scenes in the same episode we're working together yet again actually um i was i was extremely happy going into it i remember walking in and mike was happy to see me and he once we started he's like well i needed someone who could do a very deep gruff low voice and i was like oh okay this is my bread and butter that's that's it and twisted kayun is um he does not get into a whole lot of detail like kisho does he's more like he's kind of like a napa and he's he's yeah he's there to like basically buff up the hero like he's supposed to be the tank he's supposed to be the be all end all he and he knows it on a on a scale of reality to unrivaled imagination he's right there at, at n- the bottom he's just stuck in reality whereas gabi maru has room to grow he's just a stepping stone yeah. but you got to make that stepping stone as big as freaking possible so this guy as, as experienced as he is there's no way that he could possibly lose to you know a little twig a little ninja a little samurai a flower place like there's there's no way that his flawless plan of oh i'll just get everybody else and then i'll go get the stuff that'll make it easy (laughs) he's very much like it's black and white it's 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 about to be a a flat just a, a, a straight board game you roll the dice you get hopefully six and you move forward as fast as possible that's twisted kayun and he's just not worried about anything and he lets other people know, like, hey, like, sorry, buddy, but you're you're finished. This is the end of the board game because I'm the boss. Little <laughs> did he know he was, you know, like one of the little shadow creatures that Sora destroys in Kingdom Hearts. He's like nothing. But <laughs> I mean, he's he's as strong as a dude can be without the actual magic that the rest of the show operates on. Right. right. That's that's the truth. And 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 that's an interesting thing about him because 
even if he had the opportunity to discover those things, he's so one-sided, even more so than the than uh what's his name with one hand, uh Gantetsusai. Yeah, Gantetsusai. That's right. Yeah, like he he has like no opportunity to even expand because he's so close-minded. He's just gonna be like, "This is it," and y'all just shut up and move and being able to play a character like that is really fun for me no matter what because he just gets to be intense i I love intense characters like that and i love those like really strenuous roles and uh, when whenever he got to actually like start fighting those were like some of the some of the more uh, it was like really getting to express my acting chops because i got to kind of differentiate the kinds of efforts i was making and uh we got to kind of choose like okay like we like all of this stuff now which ones are we gonna keep today um anyway i'm rambling a little bit uh if you have a question (laughs) just throw it at me and i'll stop But yeah, I loved Twisted Kayun. Definitely one of my favorites, uh, even if he was very short-lived. But I'm glad that it was uh, something that I could make uh, last uh, last in the Hell's Paradise franchise. Yeah, he if, was... and if they make a fighting game, you'll you'll be like one of the most annoying characters to play. <laughs> Definitely, because like they they, they you weak. They just you'd be one of those characters where you could stun lock you and hit you like a million times with like all the weapons. That would be perfect. It's just like <laughs> why is the why is this guy so hard to play? Now I see why. He's, yeah, he has armor. He's unfair. He get, he get armor <laughs> he's a hundred percent good armor frame. <laughs> now that's a money maker idea. I, they should be already on it. Honestly, that should be like an arena fighter. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they could, like, get a ship in uh, a Tekken storm or whatever. Tekken mm. fight. Yeah. 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 As long I, as uh... I get to watch videos of William uh, making all those all those uh, voices, <laughs> it's it'll be worth it. <laughs> we we actually we got to do a little bit of that this this past weekend because we were at Anime Frontier, just you know, chilling basically, and um, we were at a panel. We were just <laughs> oh, boy, were we sitting in the panel. Oh yeah, that was not my fault, but I felt <laughs> silly for falling for it again. <laughs> there are there are late night panels, and somehow I'm always like, let me just maximize my time at the con and enjoy this, and I enjoy it. Just I always wonder how I ended up in the situation. But <laughs> they run some wild so, panels later, though. <laughs> uh, so we were sitting there enjoying it, this wild ass panel, and uh, a couple rows up, there was a couple people who were cosplaying. And one of them looked familiar and they had white hair, black, like ninja garb. And I, I looked for a while. I was still like, am I tired or what? But it's, that looks like Gabimaru the hollow. And I asked Bradley and he was like, yeah, that's definitely Gabimaru the hollow. I'm like, look at him just sitting there ignoring me. <laughs> like I wanted to spit out the line. I was just like, Hey, like, <laughs> Oh my God. And uh, after we there was like a break, I went over to like see, and sure enough, he was Gabimaru. I asked him because I've learned. I asked him like, did he watch the sub or the dub? He said he watched both, and he had seen our episode. And uh, once he realized like who we were, it made his day, and he had really made our day because seeing an awesome cosplay like that was just exceptional. Um, I was re- I was just really happy to like see him and once I, I couldn't help myself but i delivered the line right there and he just it, it, his mind was just blowing off into multiple parts of the galaxy it was cool <laughs> uh, is that that picture that you guys posted up on the facebook that's right oh yeah 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 that's that's the one i i, I thought his cosplay was really good yeah oh, it's really good 
Yep. Yeah. If you got any other questions, feel free to field them. Otherwise, William and I could just talk for for hours. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, um, I probably need to plug in my my laptop here to make sure it doesn't uh, go the way of go the way of Twisted K and it will die. <laughs> I'll be right right back. Well, I guess kind of diving a little more into the show itself. What what was your guys' thought of the people that were indigenous indigenous to uh, that island turning into trees. I really thought that was uh, interesting, the sort of art, I guess you call it arborification. Um, yeah, I, I really like that idea. I, it's a real like neat body horror idea. I thought that was really neat. Uh, they go into that more later in the manga. I won't go into that. It's it's a really, uh, it, it helps it again, give it this like really otherworldly feel where you're like, you don't really understand the rules of like how this island works. And I think that that's, that's a really neat uh, touching thing. And, and the guy, uh, treating May as his daughter is just really heartbreaking as well. Um, I really like that. It's it's very very sad. Uh, I think I think that's super cool. That that's one of the most endearing parts of the whole story. Mm-hmm. Can you yep. believe that's uh, Jim Feranda? I know that's crazy. Yeah, dude, voice uh, Jim Feranda voices the infamous muscles or muscle whoever in uh, My Hero, and uh, yes. yeah, that guy's a that character's a bastard. And then he goes to this very touching loving basically like foster father like yeah uh, it was it was it was amazing i mean jim's great he's been in like everything if you look at his credits he's been in like every every major show for like the past like 25 years he's really good Mm -hmm. and a very wholesome dude honestly he's very very nice yeah awesome to hear i am curious as far as you guys were talking about as you were acting out did you guys get to watch and then act out the scenes or did you just get a script and then you had to basically be like, all right, this is how I think this person would act or while well, the director would kind of lead you. Like, how does that process work? William, do you want to do this one? I could also answer up to you. Uh, fair. Um, I'll start off and feel free to jump sure. in if you want to. Sounds good. So uh, these days, um, especially when it's a simulcast, dub, we don't get the script. Uh, a lot of it is cold reading. In fact, I would say all of it is cold, re- cold reading. Uh, we have the opportunity to watch the show um in japanese but um it's kind of like a double-edged sword depending on who you are uh, the script could be very different it could be the same um as the subtitles um the subtitles which are also localized so that our north american audience can enjoy them um, but in any case we go to the session earlier on time and uh, we see the ADR script for the first time on one screen, and then we get to see the Japanese source material on another screen. And we take chunks of the scenes or scene um, and dub them over. We'll take a listen or a preview where we get to see the Japanese uh, acting. We get to see, get, taking all the information we can. The director will also, will also share information. Um, there may be a moment to ask questions. There may not be, but in that time frame is when we are expected to uh, digest all the info we can, um, understand our lines, and deliver them. Uh, and usually in one or two takes, hopefully. So we don't get to preview much at all. In our case, we were familiar with the manga um, because I was, you know, we've been out on it and yeah. uh, sharing it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of a. It, I guess some folks could call it like a free fall, but uh, a, a lot of talent really thrive in environments like that. Um, yep. There's a lot of various methods that we can use, such as um, 
well actually i'll give it to you from here brad like what what kind of methods do you usually use when you are um acting such as with a kisho so um something that you need to get used to with anime and it's always been like this where generally speaking they don't send you the script ahead of time they will they will tell you sometimes they won't even tell you what the show is uh depending on how secret everything is Mm -hmm. um so uh and oftentimes I've, i haven't been told what character i'm playing until i show up in the door um so <laughs> what you have to be able to do is cold is something called cold reading where you're able to immediately jump into a scene and go okay i'm this guy this is his motivation this is what he wants this is how he's like this is how he sounds all right let's go uh and there's also improv which is basically all right i need to be able to very quickly change how i think uh like all right, everything I just thought was wrong, the directors told me that this is completely incorrect. I have to be able to switch around to what they're doing. So it's like, okay, all right. So for, for Kisho, I, I didn't really know, because like when I was reading, you know, when you read, frankly speaking, when you're reading a manga, uh, if you're if you're an actor, you're like, oh, I want to be that like main character. K- Kisho was a character that, that I sort of read past whenever I was pursuing it, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know. It, 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 it's like if you read Dragon Ball Z and you you didn't know anything about it, and you're like trying to think like, man, what, what, what would Zarbon sound like? How would I feel playing Zarbon? And it's like, you don't think about it, but that doesn't make Zarbon less important, just you don't think about it that much. So uh, whenever I went in uh, for Kisho, I was like, well, what, what does he sound like? And then I had to sort of, uh, Mike coached me through it because um, I think originally I did a much more in my natural voice. And then I had to put it a little bit more in my nose. And that's how it ended up in this very specific register because it's very, you know, breathy. It's very, I'm better than you. Uh, and and it, like, you, you have to be able to get there from uh, sort of where you start. For, for like another example of like a case where this has happened for me specifically, uh, if you watch the soccer anime Blue Lock, um, my character is Jubei Aryu, the most fabulous, glamorous soccer player. <laughs> like when, whenever I did that uh, voice, I, I started like, well, I guess they came in here, so now we're going to have to defeat them. And I did it all in sort of this way. And they were, and he was just like, no, no, more flamboyant, more flamboyant, more whispery, but more flamboyant. And I was like, and so I ended up here. It's just very bitchy. It's the whole time. Just I'm so like it's like Kisho, like elevated to like this this level of just like if if Kisho was a fashion model that that also like you know uh did did nothing but look at himself in the mirror for four hours every morning. Um, so I really had to get to that point, and you have to be able to like do that to be able to be like to to be good at this specific facet of the job. The ability to be flexible. The ability to sort of go to where. The director wants you to be in to sort of match that energy of the japanese is really vital mm-hmm. um if, if you want a little inside baseball by the way uh this process is very different in other places here in uh texas it's the three beeps and then you record so what happens is that like they'll play a little bit they'll show you the japanese and that's like all right now we're gonna go and then you'll hear beep 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 and then on the fourth beep that's when you start talking uh because they're playing a little bit of the scene ahead of when you were talking uh even by director this changes sometimes uh, Sean Gann, uh, great director. He, we did a legendary hero's dead together. Most people, it's like, you do like one line, maybe two. Sean, he's like, we're going to do, I'm going to show you the entire scene. These like 10 lines. Yeah. I just yeah. want you to go. And it's like, all right, all right. So I don't know. I don't, and you're trying to match all the lip flaps and match all the scenes and match all the timing. So it, that also depends on director. If you're in LA right now, I heard they do this like karaoke method where like they'll, they'll put it, they'll show you it. And then they have, like, the words, it's not a script, it's, like, on the bottom of the screen where, like, you're supposed to say it in the timing of the, like, karaoke bar uh, mm-hmm. words. It's mm-hmm. it's very interesting. If you're in Houston, uh, they do the chase method where there are no beeps. You just have to, like, they'll show it to you and go, all right, do that again. Uh, no beeps, just go, which is very, very intimidating. And if you do, um, I happen to know, if you do Yu-Gi-Oh! specifically, 
because uh, it took a class with their director. They don't show you the Japanese at all because of the way that that's dubbed, where it's so heavily localized. They're like, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about what the Japanese are doing because we could just do whatever basically we want. Oh, so it all depends on where you're doing it too. It's it's all a very fascinating process as an actor to sort of approach all these different things different ways too. That's New York with yes, uh, New York. Dang, they're yes. doing their own thing up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've always done that. I think. I mean, that's how you get like you'll watch like Yu Gi Oh clips for like a card will just be oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a giant mammoth god, and it's, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we don't care. It's whatever. It's whatever that's hilarious. There's, 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 there's a great clip. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quote Yu Gi Oh real quick. There's there's a great clip from like Yu Gi Oh GX that my friend loves showing me. Where they, they're in the middle of a duel, and the main character's like, I can't believe you said that. You know what? It's time to duel. And the other character's like, What do you think we've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> just so much of that. There's so much. If you go if you go through those clips of Yu Gi Oh, they're having they're having so much fun. Uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> just do that. So, it's like halfway to ghost stories. I feel sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That happy medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Does that uh, does that kind of apply to all characters all around? No matter like if you're a side character or if you're the main character, or do they give people playing main characters a little more time? Like, hey, we need to develop it better, so because you're going to be across all these episodes. In my experience with main characters, because I've only done it a couple times, um, uh, I've only been a couple of main characters. So, uh, the three times I've done this, uh, with Coach and Gunbuster, um, it was, uh, that was a specific process where I did audition and then I had to re-audition, uh, for, <laughs> because I guess the producers thought I sounded too young or something like that. And they had me do, they had me do like the, like when you listen to me actually play Coach and Gunbuster, it's this very intense, listen to me talk here. You need to go out there and you need to pilot this robot. Uh, they had me like re-audition uh, because they were like, I don't know, his voice isn't deep enough. They had me like do it all the way down here like I'm Batman for some reason. And then we, <laughs> we got in with the director and the director was like, no, 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 don't do that actually. We just we just needed to prove to them that you could because, you know, the, the client wanted that. But uh, so that that's one way that it can go is just the director's like, look, you know, the, the client wants this specific thing. We can mm -hmm. try and show them that you can do that and then we'll work for, with it from there and gunbuster also had the benefit of being like really old if you don't know what gunbuster is uh are you familiar with gunbuster i'm not uh, it's on crunchyroll now it's it like crunchyroll now it's like seven episodes it's six episodes six um, episodes it, it is the if you if you know what neon genesis evangelion is it's like the prototype for that made by the same director hideaki uh, okay um it was made in like the 1980s it's very old so like i have the benefit of being able to sit there and like watch all of it and like i'm familiar i was familiar with it before i went in uh for for a slightly stepped up example tempuru which is like the harem anime that i'm in uh, as the protagonist um if you listen to the japanese for tempuru uh, the main character is this like 21 year old dude that like drops out he drops out of school to become a monk because he's terrified of uh being attracted to women because his dad was like his dad left him to go sleep with as many women as possible is the premise of the show so he's trying not to he's trying to live like a celibate life if you listen to the japanese the japanese guy's voice is like this deep he's he's like talking sort of in this register down here and i get in with uh, the director mike and i'm like trying to sort of match that because i i had checked it out and he was like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want it as uh, as deep as the Japanese. We're gonna, we're gonna try it a couple ways. So ultimately, Akinitsu sounds about right here. He's about in this range, uh, is where he sits, uh, because we wanted to make sure he sounded a little older than like a teenager, but like he doesn't sound like you know he's like in his like late twenties, early thirties, <laughs> and and that took a little bit of rigor. It's like okay, let's let's center it. Let's let's do these lines again. So like the first few lines, it took me a couple tries. Guel Jeddak in Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury, we did like 20 takes of the one line. 
What? <laughs> the, the, line, the line that was like, like uh, uh, you see that, like, the, this is how Guel Jedrick wins his duels. Like, that line uh. was like tw- 20 tries of, like, all right, can you, more confident on this part, can you m- not so much rasp, not so much gruffness. And, like, Guel ends up ultimately sitting a little bit higher than Akimitsu just because he's so, like, uptight all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's always, you know, he's, it's it's just a big ball of tension the entire time. And he also has to sound young because he's technically, like, 16 or 17. So it's, like, in this very specific ballpark. So we really, Jason uh, Lord, who directed that, really sat with me and really went, okay, we gotta we got to fix this right now. Um, and we, we have to make sure that this sounds correct for the rest of the show. So I, I think that by and large, it depends. It, it varies from director. It varies from project to project. But mm-hmm. uh, generally speaking, yes, I have had much more uh, focus on making sure the voice and the character work uh, in the early lines whenever it's a main character. Mm-hmm. Very good. I, I love that you brought up Gundam because, I mean, that that was one of my favorites of the when that season came out. <sighs> nice. 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 Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm still hoping we'll get like a movie or something. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I'm actually in the process of uh, I'm going to be 3D printing out and doing some EVA foam, and I'm going to build a aerial cos- cosplay. Nice, oh, very, very nice, cool. nice. That'd be pretty badass. Oh yeah. So I saw someone made a Daryl bald uh, where like the arms came off, and then like little swords came out of the arms and uh-huh. the stumps, like like the anime. It was so cool. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I love when people do any kind of Gundam cosplay. It's awesome. There, mm. there was like a 10 foot tall Gundam that uh was one yeah. anime frontier if you look up pictures of that it's nuts awesome <laughs> yeah. i got a video of that but i don't think i ever posted it he he, he oh, was yeah. ridiculous he was like, ridiculous. I thought he got sponsored by like the bondi to make that costume and like walk around so that was uh, that's awesome good good <laughs> well second. matt do you want to get us back on subject <laughs> Yeah, so oh, yeah, we're talking about House Paradise. I forgot about that. <laughs> See, we're having fun. Okay. I I really want to talk about the manga. I know for sure. me specifically, what really brought me into the manga, besides the podcast and just kind of that's our thing, was I loved the artwork when it came to the manga because it had really hard lines and it was just very bold. And sometimes you can get some manga where it's like they'll pick and choose, but it seemed like this one, it was like everything's going to be hard. Everything's going to be very direct when it comes to the artwork. Did you guys have, was there anything specific that kind of drug you in, especially you, William, since you you absolutely mm. love this and you were the origin point? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, my favorite part of the manga outside of the art style itself um, was the pacing of it. Uh, the creator was very punctual and meticulous with how everything was going to play as you turn the page, as you went from panel to panel, uh, you would be going into one thing and suddenly you turn the page and it looks like, okay, he just lost his head. What do you mean? How is this happening? And um, then suddenly you're like, oh, okay, this is like what he's envisioning could happen here. Or he'll try to, a character such as, Gabimaru or um, May will be trying to establish like, okay, how are you feeling? Is everything okay? And things will appear to be on the surface like, all right, then you turn the page and boom, again, missing your head. Like, (laughs) I I really loved how he kept doing that no matter what. So it kind of just keep you like on the edge of your seat every time you turn the page wondering, okay, what am I going to get into next? How can I even imagine what's going to happen next? And then 
let's see there was something the oh that's right the the gore itself um i thought that that was done but the, the way that, that he that he created the gore in that show was just not only explicit but um down down to the detail like you would see like hanging flaps of skin that were just like um very very jagged it wouldn't just be like okay there's there it is it would be like okay here are all the little pieces of it here's all the texture from this portion where it was like burned or something i i really enjoyed everything that he put into that uh artwork i also really love how in the story you get the sense that there is something to lose that no one's really safe. There aren't necessarily a bunch of red shirts, if I may, um, at the beginning or anywhere in the story. It's more like, hey, if you're here, there's a good chance you could lose your head. Characters that you think are going to have a huge part, as we know, end up getting squished like flies. Even eaten. Like it's it's yes. it's beyond me. And the the biggest characters, as we saw saw with um I think Ray Heard voiced um the big baby man. Um what was he? Big man baby boy. <laughs> he, giant, he was, guy, I don't remember. Yeah. Rocka something. Okuro, something, like that. something like that. He was pretty damn tragic too. He was a, a case of um what was it? Uh, of upbringing. He Okurota. was Yes, that's him. He just <laughs> didn't necessarily understand that he was doing something wrong. He just knew that he was trying to enjoy his life. And um, it's not like he was this evil character or anything like that. And yeah. being able, and Sagri, like suddenly being able to kind of just tap into what, tap into some secrets of the island was also a really one of my favorite panels in the entire manga. Uh, just seeing her facing off against um, Rokurota. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. I, I really like that. I, I really appreciate um in that same section when he kills uh, I think his name is Aizen or Aizen, Aizen, uh, like yeah, the, the head of the head of the Yamada Asemo because like they build that up like if you watch like, you're watching something uh where you're like yeah there's this military order and, like the leader being killed is like a, usually something you say for much much later it, it does create tension you're like man I don't know who they're gonna kill or who's gonna live through this mm-hmm. I, I I um without spoiling it I I uh for what actually does end. I really did think like, man, maybe they're just gonna kill everybody. Like, maybe this whole manga is just gonna end. We're like, I was, I was like, pretty sure. Like, when at at a point at the point that the first season ends, I was like, I think maybe like May will get off this island. Like, everybody else is gonna die. Like that, mm-hmm. that's how this is gonna go. And I'm like, that's that's metal as hell. I love that. I love I love the tension that you feel with like the sense of finality um, that that it has. And it, it's the the first season covers a portion of the manga that I think is really really good about keeping you guessing about who's going to live who's going to matter who's going to die um i I love senta senta dying also feels like well senta's been around for so long it's like oh we're still killing characters like that's great and his his death is really emotional and like they give a lot of weight uh to it and i i love that i i do feel do feel sad that kaun is like what kaun is like one of the only villains that like the the heroes interact with where we don't get like a a flashback to like his backstory i think he's just dead Mm -hmm. Uh, we we didn't get much of a flashback i mean uh, he 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 established that he was a meanie that he wasn't he wasn't anybody that like had like we didn't get the tragic backstory of him or like oh my childhood was this it was just like well i've been killing folks for a long time and i think you're looking like the next one like that's (laughs) that was basically yeah i i I do like um uh, william are you familiar with ben k i forget if we talked about this ben k 
Not Ben K yet. is a it, it is a he's like a folk hero in Japan. He's this famous guy. I think he's who I think he's who um Kayon is based off of. It's this uh, folk hero who famously like if you see a, if you see a statue of a guy that's been stabbed like a thousand times standing there dead, uh like that's uh Ben K because he's this guy who famously had like a oh. he had like a hundred weapons. He was like a warrior monk, which is the thing that Kayon is also yeah. supposed to be. And he like defend. He famously defended this bridge where where he like he died standing up because he got stabbed so many times because he killed so many people uh, defending this area. Uh, really, really famous story. So I really like that. I think that was like the template for that that I thought was really cool. As you were saying that, it sounded very familiar. It also reminded me of that Naruto character, uh, the Mist Ninja guy. But um, yes, that does sound really familiar. And I wonder if it's. I don't I don't feel like they put that in the notes. Um I'll have to go back and look again. But um the creator definitely left like notes in the back of uh each manga volume to kind of like give more uh, pretext, subtext, whatever um more substance about what had happened throughout the story that was covered. So you might get a little bit of history of a uh, Taoism or like what something is based off of. But I'll have to go back and see if he has any notes about twisted ku yes well. I, I do i do love his notes too like you could tell mm-hmm. this guy was really rigorous like if you read the manga there's a bunch of author's notes at the back about like all the stuff mm-hmm. that he references to be like and here's all this stuff about like chinese culture japanese culture japanese mythology chinese mythology it's like it's really fascinating to learn and he's like yeah i kind of twisted this around to like make this but he's very like honest like yeah it's not really like this in mythology but i thought it'd be cool if it was like this so i was like so it's it's really good <laughs> i really love that uh the author really did his research i thought that was really cool yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like um, the the amount of tension that's happening as the story progresses, once the Tensen show up, it's a a massive gap. Like because you're thinking, okay, like like uh, uh what's his name, Eisen? No, yeah, maybe it is. Uh, him getting squished was like okay. The leader just got wrecked, yeah, and we've got some bigger issues over here with like monsters. Like what, what can we actually do? We still don't really know what's going on on this place. And there could be something much bigger. And sure enough, Tenson show up and they're base they basically come across as gods. And it's just like, how can mortals even stand up to these particular beings? Uh, so I loved how they had this massive gap that just left you going like, you better not find them and you better not let them find you. And sure enough, that leads us to the epic moment with uh, Tenza and Shion, where they have to face off against one of these alleged gods. And you know, they're, they are not about to back down for any reason. There's no defeat, no surrender, no retreat, but their option is basically like a hundred percent fatal. Like no yeah. matter what. Yeah, no, it's 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 really cool. Again, again, the um shonen uh really work to sort of have like mini bosses basically before you fight a main boss. Like you can see this mm-hmm. with um in like more form in something like Fullmetal Alchemist, it's the homunculi, which uh, I think worked really well as a parallel because the homunculi, you're also generally speaking, if someone runs into the homunculi in Fullmetal Alchemist, they're about to die. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, and then similarly, uh, in Demon Slayer, if you have the like upper rank demons like that, they occupy a very similar position of like, you know, if you run into them, they're probably going to kill you. Um, they're these tremendously powerful demons that are much stronger than all the other ones. And the Tenzin mm-hmm. uh, it, within the genre, I think, really represent because they're also the, they're also perfectly alien in the way the Hell's Paradise is where they'll randomly like they'll randomly switch uh, uh, like they're, they'll, they'll completely change like sex like right in front of you. 
they they have completely different mor- morals they they their their motivations especially at first seem so alien and you're mm-hmm. just like this is this is so uh, unnerving. I think I think it's really cool that way. Again, it's it's a very cool alien villain and a really cool twist on that shonen formula that I think is really cool. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I found it interesting talking about the tents and like when they had that meeting. They're all sitting around drinking tea, talking about all the different things. Well, I like yeah, this yeah. form better. I like that form better. Like it, it really brought into perspective their side of the island versus the rest. Mm, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And it, it does reinforce the idea of feeling like they live in like a in like a olympus style like you know the, the gods are meeting here it, it's mm-hmm. really neat i think i think that yeah in terms of atmosphere all the way hell's paradise nails it oh mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um as far as so this is something from the manga their training as far as the tension is concerned i thought it was really it was interesting because I, I wasn't expecting it because they you get that panel where it's the the pool and then you get the bed in the background and they're like this is how we do our training. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's not really what I was expecting, but it just goes into how mature the whole series is where it's like, yes, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do stuff underwater and then we're going to go have sex on the bed. And that's how we get stronger. And I'm just like, I mean, the first part kind of makes sense. You, you know, training underwater sounds really difficult. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is something that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're familiar this is this is like not a unfamiliar concept I, I i haven't encountered too much of it in like mythology but like specifically when it comes to like anime and uh stuff from japan like if you're familiar with the fate series that's big in the fate series i mean like fate used to be like a, like an arrow gay so that helps but like they i how is your, what I'm, I'm, how bad can i say something on this podcast because like we're we swear you you full go Oh man, yeah, I've so been like, holding that, all that shit back for a while now. The thing is, if you look up like on the Fate Wikipedia page or like the Fate like wiki page, like you can see like yeah, you know, you can transfer mana from people to, from other people by your blood or your semen, and it's like that's that's like a pro- that's a big thing in the visual novel is a lot of a lot of mana mana transferal, <laughs> and it's it's really it's really important. Their characters are like succubus succubi, and that's that's like. It infects all of the Tsukihime fate universe in a way that I think oftentimes is juvenile. I do, I do think ultimately Hell's Paradise handles it a little bit better than that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do find it really interesting and fun uh, that it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you know, you're 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 exchanging other fluids. Why not? Why not magic? Why not? Right. Uh huh. I think um, Guntetsu Sai was kind of in the same vein as you because. I, I know this is covered in the anime already when they encounter those um not the Tensen but the the they're like the mini bosses they're Dino. they're the guys who are like we're not completely mindless but we're not necessarily up there in the upper echelons yes and uh they're explaining I think Bachujutsu is that what it's called Bochujutsu or something like that yeah I think yeah so. they're, explaining... they're trying to do a May and it's like yeah Gantetsu Sai is like you disgusting son of a bitch like you're gonna do that to that kid and then later on he just gets his mind blown he's like oh you're not a kid anymore like well i just so happen to be a man blah 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 <laughs> speaking of gontetsu on the note of bochu jutsu i just every panel that he is on scene with yuzuriha in the manga is absolute gold like if you see any expression, any expression, he's like biting his lip. He's like, he's like a full body reaction to being around this woman. I love it. It's so funny. 
there's definitely one line I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Um, I, I'm not going to spoil it by any means, but he just goes full 110% into it. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's wait. great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure there's going to be at least, I mean, there's definitely going to be one more season, um, yeah, no matter what. We're going to have to cram it all together to make it one more, so I think it might be two more. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I if I remember correctly, it's like a hundred and twenty-six chapters, something along those lines. And the first season was like forty-one. Mm-hmm. So if they if they stay mm-hmm. on pacing, that would be two two more seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Thankfully. Since I have no idea how, how the series goes. I, I don't know what they could be leaving out or skipping or elongating to, to make it two two more seasons. You know what they what they didn't include so far were the um, the what do they call them epilogues, like the mini mini yeah, scene at the mini, end mini in between chapter things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I know. Like at the beginning, they had like the whole you know fashion thing going on, and that was pretty cool. That was kind of that was cute. Um, and then later on, it seems like there's like these little mini episodes that are happening that give context or even pretext in some cases, but and yeah. they're usually comedic. Um, twi- I'm, I'm not trying to like put a plug in or anything. Twisted Cane is not in any of that shit. But um, <laughs> I am interested to see if they do include those later on because there will be the, um, no matter what, there is going to be some other interesting characters in, in, the, uh, in the story. Maybe maybe we'll do like DVD extras with those bits because I mean I mean, oh, yeah. mean Kijo's in there occasionally because it's like a lot of them are Sagiri going and talking to the other Yamada Asaimons. Yeah, well, and um, brother also does that. Exactly, Chobe's brother. Um, names pro- proper nouns are always the hardest part. Um, but yeah, they're, they're I think really neat. Yeah, there should be at least two more seasons, no matter what. You know? Yeah, and yeah. I, I would encourage anyone who likes the anime to go like go check out the manga, both because it's good and also to get those little segments because I do think they are very neat. Mm. Right. Anything else? I know we we are uh, a little over our time, and I'm oh. already I'm already doing that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. That's all good. I mean, it's just it. it there's a lot to talk about and. It's just very interesting seeing your guys' perspective and hearing what you guys got to say and hearing kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff that occurred. I mean, it, it's it's good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we love uh, we love what we do. We're happy to talk about it. If can... um if you're listening, then definitely check out Marissa Duran and Alejandro Saab both in Hell's Paradise and in Hordinia. Um, they get to play co-stars in both of those shows, which I thought was pretty fascinating yes. too. Yes. Very that much amazing. We we are definitely a proponent for you guys. We're definitely behind, especially all, all the wonderful people that we get to interact with. I mean, it's amazing to be able to sit here and talk with you guys and get these insights. And then on top of it, being able to hear about all the other people that you guys work with on a day-to-day basis and kind of get get to know them through your experiences. And maybe hopefully one day we can get them on the show and we can do this with them too. Oh, That'd yeah. be pretty awesome, man. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. And oh, thank yeah. you for saying that. That's really sweet. Thank you. No problem. Well, I mean, with that, do you have anything else to add on, Matt? Or is there anything else you wanted to cover? Um, no. I, again, <laughs> want to say thank you for allowing us to do this. It's been so much fun. And it's been very eye-opening. And as I said earlier, it I really loved just seeing 
from your perspective, just what really entices you guys into doing this? Mm-hmm. Because again, you guys are like, oh, I love the intricacies. I love these details that as a viewer, I'm just like, yeah, visual things. I love visual things. And you guys are like, well, these really deep moments are what I really love. And it's like, I, I really like that because it just kind of helps give me another perspective. Mm-hmm. And it, thank for you sure. uh, so much for, for allowing us to do this. Oh, I love hearing it. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share. Um, and I feel like that's really like what anime has been about. Just being able to find somebody uh, even more so today because it's so mainstream and um, chat with them about the things that you've enjoyed. It can help just open your mind about uh, what the creator or creators were trying to convey. Give more perspective on uh, what characters might have been going through and discover something new. I think anytime I talk about like anime that I really enjoy with folks or manga that I really enjoy with folks, I end up discovering something brand new about that particular thing. And um, well, I mean, that's just uh, the remarkable aspect of fantasy. Yes. And I, I do love, I, I love what I do. If I, if I wasn't here talking about it, I'd go bother my fiance about it. I'd be, you know, yelling at people in the street. Have you heard about Hell's Paradise? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the chance. I'm just going to go people do it. No, I, I, I love this job. Uh, I do think that, you know, oftentimes we get to work on, we work on shows that we're not, that we wouldn't necessarily even watch if we weren't in them. And it's always a treat whenever it's like, yeah, this is something I'm really excited to hear about. Uh, and then it's like, wow, I get to be in it too. And it's, um, it's magical. It's a really magical moment to be in there. And then um, uh, I, I feel very, very lucky, very blessed with uh, by, by, the, by the graces of the universe that I am allowed to do this. Uh, and I, I hope to continue doing this. And I'm super grateful that people like you seem to enjoy our work. So thank you so much for watching. Oh, yes, for sure. Oh, and yeah. just to throw that out there, uh, here at the Anime Show and the Anime Lounge Podcast, we're always uh, throwing out new, looking out for new news, putting that out there looking to put these interviews and get you guys to see the community that's around anime and the behind the scenes stuff and everything. I mean, it's interesting and we're excited to share it with everybody. And with that, I hope everyone likes and follows the anime show, listens to the anime lounge podcast where you can listen to podcasts and listen to these two amazing guys when they're out on their shows. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess well, till next time. Till next <laughs> time. See you in Hell's Paradise. See you in Hell's. Gonna go up to people on the street. Hey, don't you dare ignore me! You're about <laughs> twisted cane. Look at this big thing. You're gonna love it. <laughs> start chucking manga at them. Start carrying attached like sticks. Just chucking like a You'll be the first one to enjoy this.